Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Me and My Golf podcast. I'm your host, Andy Proudman, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Piers Ward. Now, we are talking today about what 95% of golfers don't practice. Now, there's some real golden nuggets of information in this one, and we are sure if you listen to this podcast, you can apply these to your game on the golf course, you will see some massive improvements. We hope you enjoy this one, guys. Let's get to it. So thank you for joining us wherever you're listening to, whether you're listening to uh, from your car, whether you're listening in the gym, where, whether you're listening to on the train. Um, we're enjoying these podcasts a lot, so uh, please keep the, uh, the comments, the reviews, tell us um, what content you'd like us to record and who you'd like us to collaborate with as well. We really want to get some special guests on here to create some amazing content for you guys. Um, now today we are talking about something that 95% of you will not be practicing. Pierce. Now, a few years ago, we went on a um, an NLP course. Two thousand and eight. So, two thousand and eight, which is a long time ago. Mm. You were young then, younger. Uh, younger. <laughs> um, so NLP for for those who aren't uh, aware of that, it's neuro linguistic programming, and it's really all to do with um, mindset. Really. Now, um, we had a long time. Uh, we had a week course, didn't we, Pierce? Sort of talking about this and learning about how to use this yeah. and help our students and uh, and it was a, it was certainly an eye-opener I'd say it was a, a turning point in not only my my golf and I'm sure it was for yours but also my career it opened my um, I suppose my my eyes up to a whole new world a whole new side of actually the mental game if that makes sense yeah new possibilities new possibilities yeah and something that we'd really probably took for granted in the past um, but we implemented straight away to our coaching um, and also to our golf straight away as well, which for us, it was uh, quite a refreshing change. And I remember going and playing golf pierce probably the week after we did the course. And I felt like I had an advantage over the rest of the field because I felt like I was working on things that none of the other golfers on the field were working on. I felt that I felt better on the golf course. I felt more aware and self-aware. Um, and ultimately, I felt I had a little bit of an advantage on the course, which was very interesting. I obviously wasn't playing that week. You obviously wasn't playing that week. Um, so, so really, what we wanted to do today is really share with you some of the things that we learnt um, during that week and some of the things that we've learnt over the, the last few years implementing these things into not only our game, but to working with these, some of our clients and some of our students. So, what are we talking about, Pierce? I, do you know what, just quickly on that, I want to just add to that actually, because I think it was very, it was a, a, a massively important part of our careers. And if you remember, actually, we went on a two-day course, first of all, with mm -hmm. Jamie Edwards and Dr. Carl Morris. And after that course, our minds were blown, literally, <laughs> yeah. and thought, you know, we walked out having booked on another five-day course. So the, the, the initial um, excitement and, the again, the thinking about the possibilities by coming out of that two-day course made us book a five-day course. So I think it's, all we can say for you is that a lot of golfers will work at technique, new clubs, you know, get in the gym. But if you're not training your brain correctly, you really could be missing out. And I think it, what it did for us, that course, or the courses, it highlighted a lot of things that we were good at, but also highlighted a lot of things that we need to be better at. And it, a lot of things just suddenly made sense. Yeah. So it made sense why we worked the way we worked, why we did the way we did, and we learned a lot about ourselves. So definitely by listening to this, 
make sure the the skills that we and the tools that we give you out of this, make sure you start to action them if you think they're applicable to you, but then continue to learn. You know, why not just have a look and maybe at what's obviously what we talk about when we talk about mindset, but maybe, you know, um, Jamie Edwards and Dr. Carl Morris as well. Check those guys out because they yeah. can definitely help you. And just quickly, I remember actually we did a seminar as well at the Molyneux Stadium, Wolverhampton Wonder Stadium. With Jamie, yes. And we had, um, I think we had about 70 odd people turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first questions that Jamie would ask, he said, "What? what is, Who's working at their technique in this room? And everybody put their hand up and um, everybody could name something they were working on that technique. He said, well, who's working at their mental game? And a lot of people still put their hand up. Some people didn't. But when Jamie was to ask the guys, well, what are you working at? They couldn't give them an answer. Where Mm -hmm. they could give them an answer, what I'm working at in my technique. I'm working at my backswing or downswing, whatever it might be. But they they were aware they needed to work at their mental game. But they didn't really know how or what to work on and that I think was an eye-opener they were like well okay well I know my mental game is important but I'm not actually working on it I don't know what to work on I don't know know any tools to put them into play mm-hmm. and ultimately this is what we're going to share with you guys today give you some tools give you some examples and talk about really um, what really goes on on the golf course and let's get into talking about it, Pearson and the 95% what are we talking about 95% of golfers do not practice this. What are we really talking about? So, so do you know what? I would say that probably 99% of golfers don't do this, but probably 4% do it without even thinking about it. Maybe that's a good thing to think of. So but basically think of this. We're on the golf course for anywhere between four and five hours. Sometimes we've been on the course for five and a half hours if it's been particularly slow. Yeah. Um, and when you are hitting golf shots, you're only hitting golf shots for about 15% of the time. So 15% of the time you can be working your pre-shot routine, your technique, you know, and actually hitting the golf ball. But the other 85% of the time, you are not hitting golf shots. You are waiting, you are walking to your golf ball or sitting in a golf cart, traveling to your golf ball. You know, so the things that you work at, as we said, the 15%, you're pretty good at that, working at that, knowing what you want to work at. But the 85%, a lot of people never really think about that. They never train it. And actually, what they do in that 85% is actually really harmful for their game. Exactly. So we're really saying that the majority of golfers don't really know or work at that 85%. So the things they're doing when they're not playing golf on the golf course, they haven't got the tools or maybe the the knowledge to, to, to work at those things. Yeah. So let's get into really one of the first points then, which is important, Pierce, in between and, and sort of, I suppose, during as well, concentration. <laughs> so... Let's talk about, you know, concentration. First of all, let's, let's just define it. Now, concentration is the action or power of focusing one's attention or mental effort. So I think we'll all agree we need some concentration on the golf course. Yes. Um, but I definitely see golfers go out there and think that they need to concentrate for four hours. <laughs> so they go out there and say, right, I need to concentrate. So they hit their shot, their head's down, they get to the next ball, but they're concentrating between each shot. Yes. Now... What's really important is your ability to actually switch on your concentration at the right point, but then switch off your concentration yeah. to be able to give your brain a release and a break. Mm. And I know something we learned on that, Pierce, was the emotional egg timer. Do you want to just talk about yeah, that a little bit? Yeah, so the emotional egg timer or the egg time of concentration as well. When, they, when the, the guy spoke about this, it made total sense. So if you think about you have an egg timer full of sand, Um, which is your concentration and your emotions when you're on the golf course. Now, as soon as you turn that on, the sands are running away from you. Now, if you just keep that concentration on, you're going to lose those sands pretty quickly. 
So the best golfers in the world have the ability to turn concentration on, but then turn it off. And that is a really, you know, turning concentration off can, sorry, on can work. And I think people can do that. But I think turning it off sometimes is the hard part for people. But then when you do turn it off, how do you turn it back on again? Yeah. So, you know, you've got to obviously work at these skills for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so, you know, so often we hear golfers say, well, I just lost concentration. Well, look, our golfers mentally fatigue because they're concentrating too much too early and then just running out of that concentration. So I think, as you mentioned, Pierce, you need to be able to turn it on at the right time because yeah. you need to clearly focus on exactly what you want to do and have that level of concentration. But then after that shot has been hit, you need to send, then switch off and then give your brain a release, save that energy and save that concentration for the next mm. the next shot. So I know that when I played golf, I would say the majority of the golf I played, tournament golf, was definitely between... 93 to 98 and then a couple of years after this maybe maybe four years after it but definitely 93 to 98 i could be playing tournament golf nearly nearly five days a week you know and it was literally and as soon as i heard this at the train brain it was like oh wow so i basically and i remember sometimes walking off a golf course feeling mentally fatigued having played well yeah but, but really feeling as though it was a battle out there mentally because i felt like i had to focus for the whole time because i went through a spell of hitting bad shots so my thought process then and my coach at the time was well you need to focus harder and just make sure you keep the concentration okay yeah. I, I did that to the point where my head was about to explode yeah. so you know be really careful on how you do this yeah and I think good example of this is um, and this is somebody who worked with Carl Morris wasn't it, it was uh, Louis Eustace and when he actually won the Open at St Andrews um, one of the one of the tools that um, Dr. Carl Morris would use with Louis, he drew a, uh, was it a red circle, Pierce? It was a yellow one. A yellow one, a yellow circle on his glove. So as he would step on the tee and put his glove on, he would look at the yellow circle and that yellow circle would mean concentration off. So it was like a trigger, sorry, concentration on. It was like a trigger for him to yes. go, okay, as soon as I see that yellow circle, it means to concentrate. And, um, and then as soon as he would take his glove off at the end, that would almost be the switch off for his concentration. So he had the tools to go, well, it's almost just like a trigger for him. As soon as he sees it, concentrate. And it takes training to do that. But having the tools in play and something to work on, this is what we're talking about here, in between shots is the key. Um, and obviously he won that year and uh, mm -hmm. he's now a major champion. So that's definitely uh, one of the tools that, that can be used, isn't it, Pierce? Yeah, it is. And I think that it's interesting that we, we can't really go through the training through this. I mean, we could do, obviously, but I think that the, the way... Let's just give you a little bit of an idea on how this training came apart. So what, what would have happened? We don't know the exact on this, but having gone through the training ourselves, we've got a fair idea how it would have happened. So Dr. Carl Morris would have sat down with Louis Oosterhuizen and would have asked him to take himself back to a time when he felt like he was concentrating at his best. Obviously they'd evaluated that and diagnosed that concentration was an issue for Louis, but they'd have got to a position where they'd have gone, right, okay, think back to a time when you were able to concentrate at your best. And all Dr. Carl would then say to Louis would be, he would ask him probing questions about what did he notice? You know, what did he notice from a visual point of view, from a audio point of view, from a kinesthetic, a feeling point of view. Now once Dr. Carl gets all that information, he will do his best to sort of blow that up into Louis's mind and make the colours very rich and the feelings rich and the, the noises sort of loud and powerful. And then he would have come down to a colour. And it literally would be, so Louis, what colour is concentration? And Louis straight away would have gone yellow. There you go, done. So all they do then is they put a yellow dot on the glove. Every time he sees that yellow dot, he might press it, he might look at it. That is his on-off switch, making him think. 
about concentration. Definitely. And I think, so, so the, the way to do this is obviously don't go, you haven't necessarily got to go away from here and put yellow dots on your gloves. What you have to do is think about maybe ways of turning concentration on and off. And the most basic way to do this is to imagine an on-off switch. So if we think about that when we're on the golf course, well, you've got the a button on an electric trolley maybe, or you've got the brake on a golf cart, or even the Velcro of your glove, you know, something that can signify an on-off switch. And from here, really, you know, imagine it was the Velcro, Velcro goes on, you say to yourself, right, go time, concentration on, whatever you want to say. As soon as you take the Velcro off, you then say, oh, time to relax, which we'll come to in a moment yeah. on how we should do that. So I think it's just getting, you know, like, I think first of all, it's just, the, again, it's a lot of it's just the awareness. So hopefully you guys might think, you know, I've never really thought about this. I need mm. to actually not concentrate in between shots. Yeah. So I think as soon as you understand that, you can then say, okay, great, I can actually switch off now. But then it's having the tools, like Pierre said, the, the, the Velcro switch, maybe even just pulling the club out of the bag um, and then putting the club back in the bag when, when you finish to switch yourself off. There are you know, countless ways, aren't there? There's so many different ways. It's finding a way that actually you that that sort of suits you when you get to the ball or get to the tee when you actually need to concentrate. And I think once you identify that, make it simple and you know, say to yourself, you know, switch that concentration on and have the trigger there ready to do it. But be consistent with it and work at this. And if you work at this, it'll become a habit and you won't need to think about it and you will automatically switch on and automatically switch off. Yeah. Um, I think I remember I remember clearly Pierce when um, one way they sort of related to this during the, the seminar was when if you're driving a car and you see a red light, your foot will automatically go to the brake because mm. you've trained it. You don't need to think, oh, yeah. I need to press the brake. Yeah. It's just an automatic response because the red light is a trigger and you've trained it as a habit. So I think that's the way to look at it. Maybe um, think of it like it might make a bit more sense. Okay, so concentration, I think we'll all agree, really important. Let's talk about another aspects which we see golfers struggle with um, and you hear this a lot on on TV Pierce and this is staying in the present um, now staying in the present Pierce I mean we hear it a lot what does it really mean uh, look we hear it in many terms don't we so you know taking one shot at a time you know you know having this bubble around you where you can only just focus on one thing but if we think about this and we, we talk about this all the time whatever you focus on you move towards now if you're focusing on something that is you know if I were to par the last five holes, I'll have my best ever score. You know, you're not actually, you're not actually able to process that in that short space of time. So it is something that you need to do one shot at a time in order to get to that end goal of having those five shots, um, having those five pars. And I think the, the, the biggest issue you have is that if you're playing golf and in between your shots, you're thinking really hard about what you want to do or what you've done before, you know, how can you actually then have a clear mind when it then comes to pull the trigger for the next shot. So I think that you know, there's a, there's a very there's lots of different skills and ways that we can look at this. Um, Tiger, most famously called this BS time. So basically, he would speak to his caddy about anything. He would talk about whatever they want. You know, he could probably have some interesting conversations. But he would not be talking so much about, oh, I need to par the last five holes. He'd be talking about, oh, did you see that gardening program last night? Yeah. Just imagine that if Tiger was talking. Sure, about Tiger, I'm sure Tiger's into his gardening. Program. Well, that you know, that, that you know, Gordon Ramsay last night. Whatever you know, he was probably maybe rather watching them on TV or talking about what 
Ricky Fowler was doing on the practice area. So he would basically be switching his mind. And if you think about that, what is that doing to the egg timer of that concentration? He's not having to concentrate exactly, yeah. talking about God as well, is yeah. he? And that, that's a, a great responsibility of the caddy as well. If the caddy sees that, let's say, Tiger looks like he's getting um, you know, ahead of himself and starts getting thinking and sort of almost worrying about the next few holes, then the caddy's responsibility, that's how important that is, for him to make up mm. a situation or a conversation that's going to bring him right to the here and now, right to the present, so he's not thinking about the future. And, you know, for the guys who are listening to this, we've all been there. We've had a great front nine. We're on our best score, and we start thinking about well, what happens if I um, birdie the, the next couple, or what happens if I shoot my best score today, or what happens if I win and I've got to make a speech in front of everybody, or what happens, you know, all these things creep up in golfers' yeah. minds because they're getting ahead of themselves, and their mind is in the future as opposed to actually being in the present and I think um, we all do this I would still do this on the golf course even yep. now and I'm sure you would Pierce yeah but it's then first of all identifying when this happens and then having the tools to go okay well actually if I if I notice that this, ha this is happening what are the tools that I have yeah. to actually bring myself back to the present and then if you can stay in the present it means you are more likely to play your best golf yeah um, and, yeah and look at a caddy will use shock techniques as well so he needs to change the thought process very quickly um, you know so I mean you mentioned different tools and skills you know we always like if we can to think on not just how we would represent these tools because how I do represent these tools is very visually you're more real visual but also you feel things as well kinesthetic so we you know this is another thing that we learned a lot from from the train brain stuff that you know how we represent things ourselves so some people would be on the same wavelength as me when I was having golf lessons yeah they'd love to see the video and those sort of things whereas some people just need to be told or some people just need to have a feeling but when it comes to staying in the present, some tools that you can use. I know Ian Poulter for a long time, he used the eyes above the level of the flags. So Dr. Carl Morris didn't want his eyes to drop below the level of the tops of the flags because that would mean you'd be looking at the ground. When you look at the ground, you are thinking more. When you're looking at the tops of the flags, you're not really thinking as much. Um, if you think about Ian Poulter, is he visual? Absolutely, yes. you your own clothing brand, you yeah. are visual. Um, again, other things you could do are noticing the noises that are going around the golf course, you know, we're noticing what people are saying. And one that was really good for the kinesthetic golfers out there would be how using the ground, feeling the ground, feeling your feet, the whole footprint, imprint going on the ground and actually being very aware of your body language yeah. when you're doing this. And that's, that's really important, isn't it, body language? Uh, yeah, it is. And I think, look, you know, uh, you know, by staying in the present, sorry, by staying in the present and being aware of your surroundings. And I think when when I came away from this course, Pierce, and sort of went onto the golf course, I was aware of how much I was looking down in between shots. Yes. So I'd get my bag on my back, I'd be, especially in a tournament. You'd and think, it's easy to do when you've got a bag on your back because it, it actually pushes your head down a little bit. Exactly, anyway, doesn't yeah. it? But and yes. Especially when you're in a competition where you think, right, I need to be super focused, I need to be serious and work at 100% focus. You get your bag on your back, head down, but the problem is that, as we know, when your head's down, you start thinking, you start getting ahead of yourself, as opposed to actually, if you just actually have a look around you and notice things around you, notice the trees, notice the, the sky, or just keeping your eyes above the level of the flags will help that. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard skill to train, and I, I think it certainly helped me when I was out there. It yeah. stopped me thinking too much, and I was actually noticing what the other golfers were doing. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it was like, okay, I feel this is where the advantage for me felt like. I felt like, actually, 
I feel like I've got a bit of advantage over these guys. I'm having a break now in between shots. Well, that was my question. That was going to be my next question to you. If you were playing someone in a match and you, obviously, you're being very good with your physiology or um, your body language, what would you, if you saw someone head down, what would you think in your match situation? Yeah, exactly. I'd, you know, I would feel that um, he would be maybe... Again, not in the best state of mind. I would feel that I would have one up on that guy. I'd feel more confident than him because my I'd be taking charge of my physiology. Yeah. Um, certainly, you know, their, their physiology would massively impact how I would feel. Um, and, you know, ultimately, if they change their physiology, it would massively yeah. impact how they would feel as well. Exactly. And, and you know, it's interesting as well, when we think about a couple of tall players who, in my opinion, are very much chest out, Eyes up, Poulter is absolutely one of those people. And it's amazing to think that he has been told that he shouldn't be looking down. And maybe that's, I wouldn't say that's down from a lack of confidence point of view. It is because he's overthinking one. It's definitely to not win. lacking of confidence. You wouldn't think so, would you? You wouldn't think so. Um, Lee Westford for me has always been one. Yeah. You know, maybe, that's, maybe his frame allows him to do this a little bit better because he's very yeah. solid in the back and the shoulders and the chest. But you look at him walking around a golf course, rare you'll see him looking down. And yeah. if you listen to how he talks about his rounds afterwards, Pretty good. Yeah. And yeah. Tiger in his prime, 100%. His body language would have, been, would have been amazing. And that was to literally scare opponents. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know he's, he really did work hard at that to become physically and mentally intimidating on the golf course. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, there's a, there's a quote from Walter Hagen, which again came from that week, Pierce. And it was, you're only here for a short visit. Don't hurry. Don't worry and be sure to smell the flowers along the way. And I think that's a great thing, you know, if you can think about that quote when you're on the golf course, you know, you're there to enjoy it. So there's a lot of beautiful golf courses out there. If you're out there, just enjoy what's around you, take your time. And if you take your time and enjoy what's around you, then chances are you're going to play your best golf as well. So I think that's a, that's a good quote to maybe think about that, guys. And by the way, that is the quote for today's podcast. <laughs> okay. So, look, I mean, we've got a couple more, obviously, things uh, sort of, bad habits for that 85% of the time so it kind of again they all kind of interlink but negative self-talk that's good for you isn't it Andy negative self-talk in that 85% yes we all do it don't we we, we all do it and some more than other, others and I think certainly when we get our students on the golf course pace we see negative self-talk yeah well, we don't necessarily see the self-talk but we see negative talk yeah we, hear um, it. <laughs> we certainly hear it um, and this will obviously influence how you how you feel and, and and how you play as well. So, you know, we've all hit bad shots, and it's amazing how many golfers speak horribly to themselves. Mm. They'll call themselves names or swear at themselves yeah. when they hit a bad shot. You know, and if you think think about that, that cannot be good. If you're calling yourself names and swearing at yourself and and really being hard on yourself on the golf course, or even just just. Um, Speaking to yourself in a negative way that's giving yourself doubt when you're yeah. over a shot, you know, you, you know, just thinking about not hitting it in a certain place or this hole always gives me danger or trouble or danger or whatever, you know, it's so powerful this is that, um, again, the awareness of this, the self-awareness of the self-talk and the, you know, is massive. If you can, if you can pinpoint this and be aware when you start doing it, then changing this is, uh, is going to have a massive impact on your game. Uh, you know what, so the, the, it's, it's, it is as simple, teeth back in, it is as simple as this. If I said to myself, that was a stupid putt, you can't believe you three-putted that, you idiot, that would be acceptable for a lot of people to say themselves. Yeah. If I said that to you, walking it is polite, if I said to you, can't believe you hit that t-shirt out of bounds and you are so rubbish, you're an idiot, 
you'd probably want to punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't accept it and then say it to yourself. So this is the thing really, you know, we always say to you, you know, you are your own caddy. So what you tell yourself is what your caddy would tell yourself. So you got to think what would you want your caddy to tell yourself? And if you don't want to be abused on the golf course, stop doing it to yourself. And I think there's a and this is the Jamie and Dr. Carl are going to be mad if they hear this because I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the doctor, but it was a doctor in Chicago who was a psychologist. He would have lots of patients and he would go through lots of different treatments with these people. But one of the things that he would do just as they were finishing off their session would be, okay, we'll see you in the week or see you in two weeks. But what I'd like you to do is just to, when you're outside in Chicago, lots of tall buildings, just count the chimneys for me. Count the chimney pots when you go out, when you're on the way home. So if someone were to walk home and count the chimney pots, what are they doing? They're not thinking about their problems. They're not looking down at the ground thinking about their problems. They have a task, which is to count chimney pots. Yeah. So when they would come back a week later, they'd say, well, how are you feeling? Well, actually, I don't feel too bad. I feel a little bit better. And actually, probably one of the main things that was doing this was just making them aware of behaving differently, especially when they were walking around noticing things. So guess what? If you get what we call golf depressed on a golf course, you walk off a golf course and you feel like you want to pack the game in, you want to kick the cat when you get home, you know, you're telling yourself you're bad all the time. Why don't you now, on that 85% of the time, count the amount of trees, count the amount of birds, count something when you're on that golf hole. That may be a skill or a challenge, a, a tool for you that actually can help you. Definitely. Okay, one more sort of bad thing then, Pierce, that people don't really think about or they maybe think about but not in the uh, not as they should, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's food and hydration. So look, you're out on the golf course for yeah, as you, as you mentioned. That, you've got to concentrate. Exactly. <laughs> so you're out on the golf course for four to five hours. How are you thinking about your intake of what you're eating and what you're drinking? And look, the majority of golfers, they'll get to the course and they'll go and grab a, a um, you know, let's say a, a Mars bar or Snickers, mm-hmm. you know, from the shop, and they'll grab a Coke or whatever, and then they'll get on the golf course. Well, well, look, that probably isn't the best thing for you. You know, it might sort of, um, sort of help with some cravings that you've got from some sugar cravings. But on the golf course, really important for sustainability and and also for your uh, mental state for concentration is having the right amount of fluids and the right right types of food as well. So. Being hydrated on the golf course is going to help you think a little better. Um, your energy levels from the food as well is going to, you know, you want to be able to have that steady energy. You don't really want to be spiking and then crashing um, from any sugar bursts, you know. And I think the key thing when you're on the golf course is can you maintain a good level of energy for that four hours so you can think clearly, perform to your best in terms of physically because, it, you know, it's, it takes a lot of... Uh, um, it's a lot of tax on the on the body for that, for that that long pierce, and you know the golf swings are an explosive movement. It takes a lot of physical energy, so not only mental energy we need, we need that physical energy. So, you know, having the right balance of food and um, drink on the golf course is key. And I think most importantly, Pierce, we do not want to have those big spikes in insulin, so um, our blood sugar spiking and then and then crashing. As soon as that happens, we're going to get maybe a quick burst of energy, but then we're going to sort of crash and feel extremely tired do you know what you know you're you're absolutely right so here's a couple of scenarios for you you've got a 7 30 tea time but you don't eat breakfast because at 7 at 7 30 tea time it means you've got to be up at six o'clock 
Last thing you want to do is eat, eat breakfast at six o'clock in the morning. That's the first thing I want to do. That's the first thing you want to do. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> not all like you. Um, the last thing you want to do is eat breakfast at six, six o'clock in the morning. So you get to the golf course and you go, oh, I need to get something to eat quickly, otherwise I'm not going to eat anything to, have anything to eat. You have that, that Mars bar, that chocolate bar, and you have a bottle of water. And then you don't eat until maybe halfway around and you have another chocolate bar. And then you get in off the golf course around about half 10, 11 o'clock. So by the time you finish golf at, say, 11 o'clock, you've had two Mars bars, a, a bottle of water, and wondering why you have finished with six bogeys in a row. You know, you've had a really bad finish to your round, you feel tired, you know, your energy is depleted. It is because you haven't taken on any fuel when you're out there. You're performing in an athletic sport, you need fuel. Another one for me would be, you have lunch, normal time, you get straight to the golf club after work, you try and rush in your 18 holes in the midweek competition. Again, you have a chocolate bar before you go out. You finish at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and you realize I've had a chocolate bar and in the last eight hours, and that is it. Yeah. You know, the, these are very real situations on the golf course. So what do you need to do? I mean, look, planning obviously to be able to create some food. Um, the one thing that if you ever watch, if you ever see or play golf with myself and Andy, we need a golf cart for our clubs and we need a golf cart for our food. It is ridiculous the amount of food. Now we probably take too much on the golf course, but that's just our habits and, and generally to do with our training. But if we think about obviously eating before, yes, of course, get something that is, you, know, you feel comfortable eating before you go out and play golf. But obviously make sure you have plenty of water, at least a one litre bottle of water, maybe two litres of water when you're out on the golf course. But things like almonds are very good. They regulate the blood sugar levels really well throughout, you know, no spiking of, those, of that insulin when you're out on the golf course. So almonds, you know, grazing on those is really good. Obviously, certain types of fruit are very good. You know, beef jerky is a pretty good one as well. Beef jerky is very good. I mean, sandwiches are, are, you know, absolutely go for it. I mean, I know when we play golf in America, it's very easy to get hold of a massive club sandwich halfway yeah. around. You know what? We do eat them, but, but, but probably not the best. So just be mindful of what you're eating when you're on the golf course because you are being athletic, but you do need to fuel your body. Yeah, and look, if, if, you want to, if you're taking golf seriously and you really want to improve and you want to you know, save those extra few shots, then well, look, if you can save one or two shots around by concentrating better, by improving what your, in, your intake is on the golf course, then that's going to help. And I think, look, um, I think in America, Pierce, it's a little different. I think from being in America the last few years, we see a lot of people... A lot of people drink alcohol on the golf course more, don't they? You oh, know, that, that really works. That, it actually that, does. <laughs> the only one thing I'd say with that is it really improves your confidence level. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't talked about no, confidence no, levels. No fear. No fear on the golf course. <laughs> but look, you know, if you're really serious about it, then um, you know, just be prepared. You know, the night before, make sure you've got your, um, you know, your supplies ready of nuts, beef jerky, water. Make sure you've got that in your bag ready, so you're not sort of thinking of, about. Um, you're hungry and you've got nothing else to eat. If you've got nothing else to eat, you're going to go with what's in the shop, and what's in the shop generally is pretty poor. If, you, if you've never prepared food for when you're about to play golf and you've never ate properly whilst playing golf, I guarantee you'll see an amazing difference. Look, you may play bad, but at least you walk off the golf course feeling all right. Yeah. You, know, you won't feel off the, walk off the golf course feeling like you've gone 10 rounds with Anthony Joshua. Yeah. Say Mike Tyson now changes. That's what, that's <laughs> so, hey, look, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of things here. Hopefully, this sort of um, gives you a little bit of an understanding about that 85% of the time that you're on the golf course. You know, see if you can develop some good habits now. See if you can develop some simple tools based on what we've said to actually, 
you know, just guide yourself around a golf course a lot better because we are great at talking about that 15% of the time, but can you now up your 85% of the time game? Yeah, and I think hopefully we've identified some of the areas that um, apply to yourself. If you're listening to this and you think, God, yeah, that was definitely me. I'm a, a negative talker or, um, you know, my food's bad or, you know, I'm concentrating too much on the golf course. Then the, the first step is the self-awareness. Now you're aware of the problems. Yep. Now you can actually start to, to practice those in that um, 85% of the time on the golf course. And if you do that, you will definitely see some improvements in your game. My two challenges would be to everyone listening to this would be to number one, obviously get the food and hydration correct because that will give you more clarity of thinking on the golf course. And number two, develop yourself an on-off switch. So work at that on-off switch. Now, Mr. Proudman, you've used up the quote. Yes. Are you gonna stick with that I'm quote? Gonna, I'm gonna stick with it again. I'm gonna say it again, again, actually. Again. Yeah. So you're only here for a short visit. Don't hurry, don't worry and be sure to smell the flowers along the way. And that's a great one for the golf course, but it's a great one for off the golf course as well. Now, unfortunately, we can't guarantee that if you say that quote to yourself and think like that, you'll be as good as Walter Hagen. Maybe not. But um, if he does say something about golf, especially when it comes to the mental side, I think we should listen to that. There we have it. Thank you so much for listening to podcast number 15 from Me and My Golf. Now, we need your help. We want to be able to grow this podcast to one of the best golf podcasts in the world. So we need your help. Please share this podcast with your friends if you think you can help improve their game and leave us a rating and a review um, at wherever you get your podcasts from. And we look forward to being with you next time on the Me and My Golf podcast. Have a great day.